talking about human rights situation in Cambodia, we believe that democratic thinking space is the main root cause to undermine the labor rights and human rights. That's Tola Moon, the director of Central, the Center for the Alliance of Labor and Human Rights in Cambodia. My name is Judy Gerhardt, and this is The Labor Link, a podcast about workers' rights and global supply chains, where we share the personal stories and perspectives of the brave individuals organizing the workers who make our stuff. These individuals play a critical connector role between workers and consumers. They document worker rights violations and call out global buyers and brands for their role in driving the race to the bottom and for refusing to accept greater accountability to the workers in their supply chains. This podcast is a collaboration between the Accountability Research Center and Empathy Media Lab. To find other great podcasts about worker rights, visit laborradionetwork.org. So I've been working on apparel industry reforms for more than 20 years, and it's been a lot like watching a dog chase its tail. Despite all the money and efforts the brands put into monitoring, they don't address the structural issues that could actually prevent worker rights abuses from happening. Cambodia is a place where the U.S. used trade and business incentives to advance systemic protections for apparel worker rights. Yet the country's crumbling democracy, evidenced by Prime Minister Hun Sen's absolute majority in parliament, has reversed those reforms. Increasingly, independent union leaders and worker advocates, including Tola Moon, have been charged for political crimes they didn't commit. I first met Tola in 2012 when he came to Washington to present his research on the International Labor Organization's factory monitoring program, Better Factories Cambodia. His analysis and collaboration with the Clean Clothes campaign helped secure the program's return to greater transparency. Recently, I talked with Tola about the challenges of worker organizing, COVID-19, and the need for consumer countries like the U.S. and Germany to better regulate the impact of our global corporations abroad. Tola emphasized the need to address both industry incentive structures and the political challenges limiting worker organizing. My name is Tola Moon. I work for Center for Alliance of Labor and Human Rights. It's a local non-governmental or non-profit organization. In 2015, the main reason that I decided to set up Central, because my long experience working in labors, working with grassroots workers, the young women and men who migrated from very far rural provinces to the cities, looking for jobs, just to make some little income to support the family in terms of the global supply chains, especially in the exporting countries, there is no law or regulation. We need to build the power of the people and make sure these people have some power in order to bargain for the better working condition, better living condition, better life for themselves and also the next generation of working people in the countries. So Tola, can you tell me about Central's advocacy goals and the way you organize? I know you have quite a complex strategy in the way you're thinking about driving change for workers in Cambodia. Well, our vision is to see the real power of the people. We wish to see that the working people should know their own powers and utilize their power. People need to be educated. People need to be organized. When we are talking about power, 
the more you are organized, the more number you have, it means the more power you're going to gain. And then that real power would fix the key fundamental rights to organize, right to collective bargaining, and then uh, right to express your opinion. And then we can gain some check and balance in terms of bargaining power with the capitalists because the capitalists has a lot of money and has a lot of power. They influence the politicians to make the law in order to protect their business, not to protect the rights of the people. We want to see the workers have real power in terms of uh, policy making process, not only the textile and footwear, but also construction, tourism, agricultures, and also Cambodian migrant workers who are working abroad in Thailand, Malaysia. And now we are extending our organizing activity to Japan, where hundreds of Cambodian people are being exploited by the employers. At the same time, we advocate with the multinational company to be accountable for the worker through their global supply chain, especially during the pandemic. How has the pandemic been managed in Cambodia in terms of the government and also lost jobs? How are you faring? So for the immediate response, we are trying to push the government to provide social assistance. For example, most of the working people are heavily debt to the microfinance and the bank while the people losing income, but they still uh, have to pay back the loan to the microfinance or the bank. So this is something that we are advocating with the government to readjust the policies in terms of postponing, collecting the loan back from the workers, including implementing some cash out program, uh, especially the, the Cambodian migrant worker who returned back from Thailand. We also target the international brand. For example, we joined with the other international partner, including a clean cloak campaign and the other trade union across the globe to demand to the brand to allocate uh, some budget to release their long-term profits to what we call is pay your work campaign. So this campaign is pushing the brand to be accountable for paying back to the workers, the, the wage theft or people lose income. So if the factory close, the, the brand still have the responsibility to pay the, the compensation to the workers. At the same time, they should allocate for reserve fund for the social assistance. So the worker, they just earn very little income and they do not have any capacity to make any saving. So this is very important that the brand or the international company need to allocate a reserve fund for this kind of crisis. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just been horrible watching what's been happening. The Worker Rights Consortium has documented wage theft, where severance was not paid. Some of the brands didn't pay for orders that had already been in production at the time the pandemic hit. And the numbers are quite high. And I'm wondering how that's affected Cambodia as far as not just brands should pay into a reserve fund, but brands haven't paid money they actually owed, or they haven't made sure that their factories pay the money they've owed. Actually, Central also joined with the data collections in terms of the wage loss and the brands still owe millions of dollars to the workers. 
due to the pandemic, uh, the cancellations of the orders and so on. Although we have not come into any written agreement yet, this kind of report documentation is strong enough and it is clear evident that the brand still owe the workers. So it is very important that people need to speak out. It is very important that we need to document evidence. So if the brand really care about CSR, uh, corporate social responsibility, this is something that we could tell the, the consumers that brand have not take a serious responsibility for their business code conduct yet. There should be both civil sanction and financial penalties for those companies who involve the labor violation or human rights violation in their producing country or through their supply chain. Unless we have a law that put the legal binding for the international company, the brand can make any issues ignoring the, the exploitation, ignoring the violation of the workers' rights or labor rights in the supply chain. I asked Tola for his thoughts on proposals currently being considered to Europe for mandatory human rights due diligence laws. In 2010, the UN issued guiding principles on business and human rights, making it clear global corporations are responsible for knowing and mitigating the risk of human rights violations in their supply chains. Since then, more and more countries have passed laws, but few include repercussions for companies that fail to take reasonable steps to address the risks in their supply chains. One example is Germany. Germany, they introduced the laws, but the law is still weak because the current uh, ruling party is, is very close with the uh, company. So that is the main reason we see the law that the German parliamentary just passed is still weak. So we still encourage the union in Germany to advocate for the amendment of the law to have a legal binding provisions and make sure that the law would uh, provoke both civil sanction and financial penalty for those companies who involve in labor violation or human rights violation. Wow. To hear you so articulate on what the laws are that hold global companies accountable in their home country gives me hope that the transnational organizing is really going in both directions now. What I mean is Northern advocates are helping you solve immediate problems like wage theft, and you are helping build the case for deeper reforms in how we regulate global corporations. Can you tell me more about how you're advocating vis-a-vis -vis the global brands, especially in the apparel sector? Our campaign to demand to the brand to allocate the budgets, reserve fund for either the worker infected by the virus or the worker lost their productions. And so those kind of reserve funds should be allocated to pay to the workers. And at the same time, they need to have a more transparent business agreement with their supplier to make sure that people in the supply chain can enjoy the right to organize themselves into trade union and then they can exercise uh, their right to the collective bargaining agreement in either the factory labels or industrial label. So it is very important that home country of those multinational companies need to introduce a, a regulation which hold the brand with the binding regulation with both civic sanction and financial penalty. 
Otherwise, if there is no punishment, if there is no sanction, they still continue labor exploitation through their supply chain. Talk to me about Central's advocacy goals and also where the successes have been. In terms of policies, in terms of legal remedy for the people, Central was established in 2015, but the, the founding members of Central have been working together in advocating for minimum wage. The, the best success for the textile or apparel sectors in Cambodia is a wage revolution in the country. In 2009, we decided to commission researchers on how much the minimum wage should be. And then the finding was evident for us to organize a discussion with the union from different ideologies or political affiliation. And then people agreed that wage need to be revised. And then in 2010, there were more than 200,000 workers took the street to demand uh, wage adjustment. The pressure from the nation strike, the government decided to uh, revise the minimum wage. The amount was not satisfied by us or by the union, but the adjustment uh, was from five year to one year. So the government decided to revise the minimum wage every one year. So now the minimum wage in, in Cambodia is 100, 192 US dollar per month. It's still low, but at least it is revised every year. And all the unions in, in the country engage in the discussion. There are still room that we need to improve in terms of wage negotiation because there is no real bargaining on the minimum wage in, in the country yet. Uh, although the figure is increased $5 per year, we still need to advocate for the dialogue between the manufacturer association and the trade unions in the country. So the biggest success is actually getting wage increases over time. and. Also, you mentioned that the way the wage increases have happened is because of worker protests. The worker organizing is another thing that you and your allies have been successful at. Exactly. And explain to the people, there is no giving without demanding. There is no offer without demanding. Even the law clearly state that the workers work only uh, eight hours per day and that they should enjoy a uh, guaranteed minimum wage, which assured human dignity with living standards and so on. But without the demand of the workers, we cannot see the success. We don't expect either the government or the employer would offer the wage increase unless the people united unless the people make a clear demand and the need to build solidarity around the demands, including the migrant workers. We estimate around 3 million Cambodian people working abroad at the moment, but they have forgotten people being exploited by both recruitment uh, company inside the country, also at the destination country and also the employer. But when we organize the Cambodian migrant worker in Thailand, both opposition party, ruling party, just pay attention to their migrant workers. And then when we provide the social media platform to the migrant worker in Thailand to speak out about the issues that they are facing during the pandemic in Thailand, 
So the government of Cambodia just respond by providing some food assistance, food access to the migrant workers in, in Thailand. Again, there is no offer without demanding. If you don't demand, they will not give you. So what about the challenges that you face? Well, there's quite a lot of challenge uh, in a country where we don't have a real rule of law, we just rule by men and we are living in the closing space. It is not easy to, to stand with the, the people and to, to continue fighting for the social issue. The Cambodia ruled by one party right now. So the government just, uh, changed the law based on their needs without debate, without, uh, check and balance in power in the legislative body. So the trade union law is the major obstacle for the worker to exercise the right to organize, right to collective bargaining. At the same time, the non-government organization, the NGO worker, we are constrained by the obstacle of the law on NGO and association. So the challenge for the NGO worker is the, the NGO law, which control and restricted on the activities of the civil society. I should note that apparel makes up more than 50% of Cambodia's export income. So even though the country is a relatively small player, the industry has significant influence in Cambodia. Organizing in this sector, as Central does, directly challenges the economic and political power holders in the country. Since the pandemic, Prime Minister Hun Sen, who's been in power for 35 years, has enacted a draconian state of emergency law that severely restricts fundamental liberties. A growing number of activists are now in jail. I asked Tola about how this is affecting workers. Coming to the pandemic, we see the government taking a lot of benefit to restrict movement, to restrict the, the civil rights and political rights. We cannot organize public gathering. We cannot organize protests. We cannot organize any campaign. So that is the main reason most of the campaign at the moment, we just do online. At the same time, the government tried to introduce cybercrime laws, the power to the government to control our online activity also. So this is additional to the long years challenge of the labor activists or human rights activists who are facing criminalization, murder, or physical violence, any activity that in terms of to protect labor rights or to promote labor rights or human rights. So this is a, a new challenge, but we face challenge for every single activity. For me, if we can overcome the challenge, then it will become the inspiring actors to keep your hope. I continue to relive 2017 when you were facing criminal charges and it sounds like the civil society space is getting smaller and, and I know more groups are looking at that problem in Cambodia and I don't know to what extent there has been any relief to the, the intimidation and the pressure on the activists. Well, at the moment, the stressful issue for us is not only the freedom of expression, but also the free of movement due to the pandemic. And the government is trying to use the issues of the pandemic prevention to restrict the freedom of movement of the people. For example, during the pandemic, the government decided to shut down any public uh, gathering 
but we use the food assistance program to provide to the people who stuck in the lockdown, who infected by the virus transmission and so on. We are not changing our mandate as a human rights-based organization, but we use the food assistance program as the tool to continue our organizing activity. Not only the government worker, but also the people in the community. And then we use the food program and educating the people how to protect themselves from the virus, including providing personal protective uh, equipment or material to the people. So we use this as a tool and then still engage a civic education and advocate social movement unionism. Before the pandemic, we, we managed to meet like 100 people or 200 people. But now in order to reach 200 people or 100 people, we have to do it maybe 10 times or, <laughs> or 15 times. So we need to find a way how to live and how to work in the pandemic period of time. You're quite engaged with the international human rights coalitions and the Clean Clothes campaign. You've described before two spheres of work, the corporate accountability advocacy and the international human rights advocacy that you've done. So if you can speak a little bit about those different allies and the support that you're receiving or you hope to receive from the international allies? Well, we collaborate with CCC Coalition. We work on the page of the campaign and the other uh, campaign that we push the, and the international brand to pay the workers, not only during the pandemic, but also for the remedies in the futures. But at the same time, we also cooperate with the, the other human rights uh, group, doing a lobbies with international diplomat, for example, like the U.S. Embassy, the European Embassy. We had a virtual meeting with the several embassy, including French, European Embassy here, and also the, the European group who has embassy in Bangkok to discuss the democracy issues in, in Cambodia, because Cambodia is going to have an uh, election in June 2022. So we also come up with six minimum conditions that Cambodia should improve in order to meet the standard of free and fair election. We want to see EU on their principle in terms of human rights, using the leverage of trade to make sure the government of Cambodia restore the democracies and human rights, including labor rights in the country. We have a clear recommendation to the government to re-amendment the trade union law to make sure that, that the workers can freely exercise the right to organize, the right to collective bargaining, especially and the other laws to make sure that we open the civic space. Uh, especially for the upcoming election. We believe that democratic thinking space is the main root cause to undermine the labor rights and human rights. And we've seen Cambodia uproot the democracies in, in 2017. So we see uh, a lot of uh, new, new regulation passed by the one-party uh, state which undermine the, the fundamental freedom especially including the, the labor rights and civil and political rights. So we, we have a lobby and advocacy, not only the, the multinational corporation, but also with the 
a European uh, Union, a European uh, Trade Commission, and also UN Human Rights Councils, including the UN Special Rapporteur to Cambodia. You've made a really good case for how the democratic space affects workers' rights, but how can the international community be more helpful in supporting the changes you want to see for workers? Well, so far we have a lot of support from the international coalition, but I think it should be the time now that we look at how to make it happen, that the home country of the international brand should have a a strong law to hold the international company be accountable for human rights, as I said at the beginning. So we should advocate with the, the government at the home country to introduce a binding provision in their legislation in order to hold the, the company with both civil sanction and financial penalty in case the company involved in human rights violation, involved in the democratic destruction or labor right violation. So at the same time, it is very important to connect the consumer with, with the, the workers from the ground. The brand just continue the human rights violation or labor right violation. So it is very important that we, we should bring up a real voice of the workers to the consumers at the exporting country. It impresses me how you are thinking both on the level of how do you organize workers? How do you build a bigger movement? And then you're also thinking about European policy and law as well as Cambodian policy and law. It just amazes me how you help workers in Cambodia. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. As we release this podcast, President Biden is convening the Summit for Democracy, but Cambodia is not listed among the participating countries. As the largest importer of Cambodian apparel and textiles, the U.S. has leveraged trade incentives to press for worker rights protections in the past. Yet those protections have been increasingly undermined as Hun Sen outlawed the opposition party and consolidated power. Cambodia's crumbling democracy poses real questions for how global corporations will mitigate the risk of worker rights abuses among their suppliers in such a context. Notably, Tola is not calling for a boycott. This is not a solution. Yet corporate silence and business as usual isn't helpful either. Mandatory human rights due diligence laws like the ones Tola talks about, which several European countries have adopted, are a step in the right direction. They can help guide and require global corporations to stand against the growing repression of workers' rights and civic freedoms. Ultimately, however, these laws will need to secure access to remedy for workers and global supply chains to be effective. Thank you for listening. I hope Tola's interview will motivate more people in consumer countries like the US, Germany, or Japan to advocate for laws that hold global corporations accountable in their country of origin for the rights of workers making the stuff they sell. To learn more about Central's work in Cambodia, go to central-cambodia.org. And to listen to other episodes of the LaborLink podcast, go to empathymedialab slash LaborLink anywhere you get your podcasts.